Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Stacey. And this is the Body Smart Podcast. And today we are talking about menopause and the fact that menopause doesn't have to be miserable. It doesn't, even though it probably does feel that way for many, many women, especially when it catches you off guard. Yeah, and we were actually just having a chat before we started and... Um, as much as I know all of these things about like what you can do to prevent it, all the symptoms being really bad and, you know, to lessen the impact, it's mm -hmm. still something that I'm quite fearful of and I'm dreading a little bit coming mm -hmm. up on me because it is change and it is something that is to a large extent out of your control. Like it's going to happen. You can't yeah. say, oh, it's not very convenient. I'll do it in 10 years. It's mm -hmm. going to happen when it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I always say this and people get like a little bit shocked because I mean, this never gets talked about and I'm not here to be like team men because you know, I'm all about women empowerment, but men do have a male menopause as well, which can start as young as 25, normally about 30. And you do, instead of like perimenopause, menopause can feel like a little bit more like a like a train <laughs> hitting you in a lot of ways. Uh, for guys, it's, it's more of a slow regression of like testosterone and your hormones sort of going down. But that is in essence what, menopause and for guys and for, for for women is it's a hormone deficiency your hormones are basically regressing to what they once were and that can start to have massive impacts on your physiology and psychology yeah so if we just break it down a moment like what is menopause what is perimenopause um because these terms get banded around a lot and actually mm. they're two different things so perimenopause is when your estrogen levels start to drop yeah. Um, and actually menopause itself is a year after you've had your last period. Yeah. So I think there's um, a lot of confusion or there's a lot of just chucking words around mm -hmm. when they're two very distinct phases of life because perimenopause is probably the segment of life that people associate with symptoms like hot flushes, irregular periods, yeah. trying to manage like what all this change is. And menopause is like the state after that, once your estrogen levels have dropped and they're they're mm. regulated and they are now yeah. very, very low, you're not in that fluctuating period anymore. Um, so we're going to talk about... Just yeah. just on that as well, yeah. like a lot of women going through perimenopause, on they can have like irregular periods and aren't actually aware that they're going through perimenopause because maybe you're taking some form of birth control and that can be common as well, whether you're taking a pill or the coil or an injection. So you, sometimes you're, you can actually just be quite used to irregular periods and that might actually be one of the symptoms of perimenopause, but you're not aware of it because you just think, oh, it's maybe just, that's how my menstrual cycle is because of birth control. So that can be like a difficult part as well, where maybe you're getting one or two symptoms from you know, perimenopause. You don't feel that great, but you're not really able to put two and two together because you're like, hey, look, I'm 38. Surely this isn't happening this soon. And it, and it could be, and you know, sometimes that can just sometimes mask some of the, the symptoms or the awareness that you may be on through perimenopause. Yeah, and it could also take a really long time and it might be quite a slow progression. Mm. Like you say, it might be the start of it at 38, which is terrifying, but my mum went through it at 37. Yeah. Um, which I'm 35, <laughs> it's really quite close. Um, but it can take, you know, 10 years mm -hmm. until your estrogen levels have dropped to the point where you don't have that period for one year and then you're officially classed as menopausal. Um, and so 10 years of juggling change all the time I think it's probably one of the d most difficult parts of it because mm -hmm. it's not like, okay, this was my normality and now it looks like this. Yeah. It isn't. Like, no. it's constantly changing. Yeah, it's it's constantly changing and and it can change through lifestyle factors as well and there's things that can make symptoms worse and better. And yeah, that just can feel like a very difficult season of your life to, to navigate and to get back in a place because 
you know, when those symptoms can be really bad, it can, it really can feel like it's affecting every part of your life from your sleep to how you feel in the morning to feeling a little bit like just like sick, ill in essence. And it's, um, it's like, how am I meant to show up for my family, show up for my job, show up for myself. Um, and it, it can have a, you know, a real, you know, negative impact, um, and I'm not sure the actual stats I sent to me for Simony. It's quite a depressive fact. I actually think um, from a lot of the stuff I've read as well, a suicide rate actually goes up in women the most when they're going through menopause and perimenopause. And I think this is, I'm sure so I'll be able to get some numbers on this. It's a very sad statistic to to, to bring up. It also just shows you the, the the psychological impact that this can have yeah. on, on women. Um, because yeah, it is. It's hormones rule the world. You know, they really do, you know, massively affect how they how you think and feel and it's like to have a regression in them and to not understand why and to see physiological changes and then cognitive changes and you know if you've maybe not got the most understanding workplace or boss to be like yeah i'm having a bit of brain fog or i'm being a bit forgetful and it's like oh like you you can almost feel like you're losing your sense of self yeah and let's not forget when this tends to happen like for most people mid to late 40s maybe 50s mm. that is a period of life which is generally quite stressful anyway so you're likely to be at a more senior point in your career with more mm. responsibilities you've probably got other responsibilities as well at home so you either have small children or older parents or both yeah um so you're also trying to deal with life stressors at the same time as what the hell's going on with my body right now mm-hmm and it, that, that's yeah it's completely right it's a it's a massive challenge to be going through maybe juggling kids juggling a career juggling possibly a, a sick parent or a parent-in-law and it's like that is a, a lot to juggle and then on top of that your body's changing your mind feels like it's changing and it's you know the demands to keep up in essence and that's basically what what it feels like to keep your head above water you know can feel like you know some of the most challenging you know stages of your life or seasons of your life that you're going through yeah and one of the biggest symptoms is that struggling to keep your head above water because energy levels just go through the floor at Mm -hmm. this period and it's the time when you probably need need the the most most, energy um and so not to be all doom and gloom today's episode is really about like what can you do because Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like that yeah um and one of the the things we always bang on about is like taking control of your health and fitness will transform your life yeah and at this point of your life, if you are in menopause or perimenopause or it's just around the corner for you possibly, mm-hmm. like getting these things in line now is going to help you rise above that baseline of feeling just utterly drained and at the whim of your hormones controlling your life. Um, so what I've got here is a list of the common symptoms and then mm-hmm. I really want to just go through some practical tips of how women can make life choices or change some habits to really start to take back the control a little bit. So just to come back to the, the doom and gloom uh, sort of statistic, which is those women in the age bracket have the highest suicide rate among all women with 7.1 deaths per 100,000 women of the ages 45 to 49 at a rate of 6.9 uh, for 50 to 54. So it is, it's it's an extremely depressing statistic to read out, but just, it's just menopause and perimenopause is just still not talked about that much like at all. It's it's kind of like, oh, you're going through that stage in your life. And, you know, it's, it is pushed to one side. And women have that feel like they have to keep up or they've got so many responsibilities. And it's like, how can I possibly keep up with all this? It's, it is, it's very sad. And I think the more it's spoken about, the more awareness, the more people start taking those steps before menopause and while going through perimenopause, 
you know, the, the better they can feel physically and mentally. So, I mean, let's start with that symptom then, because mood swings, if that's mm. what we want to call them, that's a very minimizing term, but fluctuations yeah. in mood and exp higher experiences of anxiety, depression, irritability is one of the key symptoms mm. of going through this phase of life. And I think anybody who's had a period can tell you, we are aware that our periods or our hormones fluctuating affect our moods. Yeah. So if you've got now suddenly this really unpredictable change in your hormones, and let's not forget the drop is huge. So your estrogen levels can go from like three, 400 picograms per milliliter mm -hmm. during a, a normal menstrual cycle to zero yeah, in menopause. Is. So your body is dealing with like some crazy change there. Um, what can we actually do to take control of that, to not feel like a prisoner to our moods that are driven by our hormones that we can't control? It's it, it, a lot of the foundational, you know, basics, which is like prioritizing great sleep, making sure that you're not eating processed foods, you know, removing or cutting back alcohol, um, exercising on a, on a regular basis, making sure you're drinking enough water, um, getting enough sunlight, vitamin D, just a lot of general healthy things that it would be a good practice for everyone to do but become even more important um, as you're going through this sort of stage in your life. That can also feel really difficult if you're like, oh, Jamie's saying get great sleep but I'm having, you know, hot flashes or hot flushes uh, or night sweats, um, which again can come from the, you know, decreased, in, decreased levels of estrogen because uh, it's going to have a big impact on your temperature regulation. But again, just being able to take steps that can at least uh, elicit the best sleep at that moment when it's a season in your life. Because even if you just take one thing there, which is sleep, like, I mean, you've had a fun year of no sleep, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, it um, definitely affects my mood as well. Yeah. And just my ability to be resilient. Mm -hmm. um, and I think even if you can't get great sleep, whether you have a toddler or whether you have hot flashes, I think we've talked about it a million times, making sure the quality of the sleep you do get is super important. Um, and something that underlines all of those things is exercise, because exercise, wh whatever age you are, whatever gender you are, whatever sex you are, it does lead to improved sleep. Um, and it also has been shown to improve the risk of de or reduce the risk of depression, anxiety. Again, whether yeah. you're male, female, age 20, age 60, mm -hmm. but particularly during menopause, there are studies that show a 20 to 30 percent reduction in the risk of developing anxiety and depression if you regularly exercise. Yeah. So it's one thing, like, it's almost, if you improve this one thing, you get all of these benefits. Yeah. And I, I you know, we're, we're always banging on about moving your body on a consistent basis. I put it on Instagram stories as much as possible. How are you moving your body today? Just to just constantly remind people this is something like we want to be doing on a, on a regular basis, whether that's going for a walk, having a dance, just getting active in some way, but, you know, exercising and, and doing that. Yeah, it can it's going to improve your mood. It's going to give you great circulation. It's going to improve your sleep. Um, it's just going to make you feel better. And that can feel, again, really difficult if your energy levels are low or your temperature is going through the roof or you've not had great sleep, but still just making a point of showing up and, and doing, you know, something is always better than nothing. And just to have that mentality of just showing up and get some, getting something done regardless. And if it's not your best workout, that's okay. The, the, the most important part is just consistently showing up. I think um, something you said there just reminded me. I had a client once who hated exercising because she used to get so hot and right. like that would like stress her out. And then she'd get panicky because she got so hot. Mm -hmm. And then she'd be like, everyone's looking at me because I'm getting so sweaty. Um, and if that is you at the moment where like, these hot flushes come over and it just feels like, like suffocating because you get so hot and panicky and it just feels horrible, 
just changing the expectation of like what exercise needs to be is really mm -hmm. important as well. So with this client, we actually started swimming because the water's a bit cooling yeah. and it doesn't have that same connotation of like, I have to be red in the face and panting. I can still get you a don't good really workout. know you're sweating. That's exactly. <laughs> I used to always find that funny. I was like, "Do you sweat when you swim?" And I was yeah. like, "I'm just that's just because you wear jay." <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so yeah. Just kind of maybe changing the paradigm of what you expect of yourself is really important at this mm -hmm. time in life. If everything that we're talking about, but even with exercise, if previously you've been a regular exerciser and that looked like I don't know doing hit classes or going to a spin session, and now the concept of doing that just feels really awful. Mm -hmm that's okay. Like you can change, you can decide to start swimming. You could just go for a walk, but the exercise happening is what's important. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, and that can be difficult because we are creatures of habit and we do, you know, like we get into routines and patterns and if, you, and if you've always done something that's worked for you and worked well, and now this season of your life is happening and it's almost forcing you to change. It's just having that adaptive and growth mindset towards and be like, okay, like I can feel this is changing. I am going to have to adapt and, and move and change with this. And being able to do that is just showing the resilience that you have, which is is such a just a key trait for, for life. And, and definitely as you go through many seasons. Mm -hmm. And so we've talked about exercise in terms of the benefits to mood, which there are studies and studies that we yin yang on that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that is really highly evidenced in terms of improving mood and um, depression, anxiety, again, regardless of stage of life, is making sure you get your omega-3s. So there's yeah. very few supplements that you and I would put our names to and say, mm -hmm everybody should do this um but i think this is one of them yeah it's something i've taken for for years now um and it's yeah like you said there's there's, there's plenty of a uh, plenty of benefits and studies that have been shown to back this up but yeah getting enough omega-3s can be is, is one of the few supplements i'm very cautious because with supplements i'm always like hmm, you'd want to get somebody to get blood work done and to you know make sure that like hey you're actually supplementing for the things that you possibly are deficient in but you know when you see just like universal things that people are deficient in not getting enough omega fruit fruit omega threes vitamin d and um, even just like a standard multivitamin can be great for a lot of people so it's just you know even if you are having the most nutrient-rich diet foods aren't as nutrient-rich as they used to be so you know taking those steps and um, even I think there's studies that have shown that like even like surfers in California still don't get enough vitamin D through their skin. So, you know, there's just like, there's a lot of stuff to, to, to back that up. But again, like always taking somebody's supplements can be great. But then just like, if you can ever, if you can afford to and get a blood test every six months or 12 months and test some of these things, it's going to allow you to, you know, be smarter with your supplement choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and also making sure that you're checking the supplements that you do end up purchasing have got good provenance and yeah. like, you know, they're safe and all those good things. Um, but those are two of the big things that we would say can help you address the mood side of things. Exercise is probably the biggest one. Exercise is huge, you know, and it, it, it's always, you know, perimenopause and menopause, you know, making sure that you're exercising on a regular basis is going gonna, is gonna to do wonders for your mood. I mean... I feel like it's been like a lifesaver for me personally, you know, and it, and it still is. It's that, it's that anchor um, and that reset button for me. So, you know, I have a, a, a very healthy relationship with exercise in that way because it's the one thing that I feel like grounds me on a consistent basis. So I that that's always been like a worry of mine. Like, oh, if someone ha like happened to me, like I would be like, I would like if I like broke both my legs, I'd be like, right, I'm going to hand bike. You know what I mean? I just need the way of blowing off that steam. I feel like very almost reliant on it to an extent. And I've spoke to many people and realized I probably need it more than others, but like everyone needs it. Like mm -hmm. if we, we are not meant to just 
be sedentary and not move and just eat highly processed foods it's just not good and it's a vicious cycle to get stuck into uh, so making sure that you're consistently exercising forever especially through perimenopause and menopause is so important yeah and yet there's a stat that i found earlier which is 60 percent of women in the u.s going through menopause do not take the recommended levels of physical activity so that's yep. the majority mm. um, and the recommended levels is like 150 minutes a week which is not a big ask um, so if you feel like actually I'm one of those 60 percent mm -hmm. um, then just taking some small steps in the right direction can help and actually once you start to see the benefits yeah it becomes easier to keep that up and to build on it so don't feel like we're saying you need to go and start CrossFit or mm -hmm. like you need to start doing five workouts a week yeah, yeah for a lot of people I think just like small and often is is better um just in the sense of like it allows you to flex that muscle of consistency if you were to be like oh i'm going to do two 75 minute sessions that can feel like a hell of a lot to do and you'd be like oh I'll, I'll do it tomorrow i'll do it on thursday i'll do it and then the week goes you know versus just being like hey you know what i'm going to do 20 minutes today you know i'm just going to get up and get it done i'm going to do 20 minutes tomorrow you know and you just you build that muscle of consistency you remove uh, as much decisions because you're just saying like you're going to do it on a more consistent basis and then you know over time you can start to flex that up or down or on move to days but you're really making it a non-negotiable um just like you would with going to work or other parts of your life is 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 yeah highly advised yeah and it actually contributes to helping pretty much every menopause symptom so something that seems to make sense actually when you think about it is the more exercise you do the frequency and intensity of hot flashes reduces so whether it's, I mean, I don't know and read all of the detail of the study, whether they're actually reduced or whether your tolerance maybe changes, I don't mm -hmm. know. But it doesn't really matter if your lived experience is that the symptom doesn't feel as bad as it used to. Yeah, which is a which is a huge win, isn't it? If that's something that's affecting your sleep, affecting your day to day. I mean, I used to, I watched my mom go through so many hot flushes and flashes. Um, like I'd just be in the living room with her and the next minute she's like opening both all the windows and turning the heat in the off and i'm like what's going on <laughs> and she's like it's just really hot i'm like all right i'm gonna go put a hoodie on then because it's <laughs> you know like uh she's bearing up and i'm you know at the same time i'm just like it's freezing here. it's like winter um so you know i, I watched her personally you know you go with go through a lot of that herself and that is something that i do remember i think she started exercising about 54 uh, 54 consistently and you know that was there was a big but it was very difficult to get my mum to start exercising um, and like felt really embarrassed and everything else. But she said like all her symptoms that she was getting, you know, from from being, you know, menopausal, like reduced drastically. And she felt a hell of a lot better after them. Mm -hmm. Wasn't the easiest to get her to stop drinking. Still haven't managed to get that one on her. Still a little bit too much wine, but <laughs> she's in the gym four times a week. And, I, you know, I'm definitely proud that she's doing that consistently. Yeah. And actually, before we skip over that, alcohol is at the best of times an added stressor on your body and mm -hmm. it increases inflammation and it stops you making the best food choices. It reduces your inclination to go work out in the morning. But it's also shown to increase symptoms and um, hot flashes and also the bigger picture things that come along with menopause, like your risk of heart disease and your risk of osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. So uh, <laughs> I hate the fact that we have to say this because both of us love a drink, but we yeah. really shouldn't drink as much as we do. And if you're struggling with these symptoms, it can be something that's worth trying, like, even if it's just for a few weeks, just mm -hmm. cutting back on the alcohol and seeing 
can I feel a tangible benefit? Yeah, I think it's it's always where where you're currently at. Like if you're feeling pretty good and you're going through perimenopause and you, you're handling it pretty well and you still want to have that glass of wine and drink, then okay, you know, fine. You might just notice like the hangover is not just a day. It's a couple of days. And I don't just mean like physically how you feel. It might be mentally how it's having a drag as well. But then if you are somebody that is feeling awful at this moment or the season in your life, you know, really looking to limit or just cut out alcohol is, is going to be a very smart move just until you get yourself back to a, a more normal level of feeling like you again. Yeah. And I think um, when you start to zoom out and look at all parts of your life at this time, this season of your life, it's a really good time to kind of reset what's normal for you because your body's going through changes. Your lifestyle probably through this period of perimenopause is going to be going through a season of change just because of the the fact of being where you Mm -hmm. are in your stage of life and so it's a really great opportunity to decide like is this the path that I want to stay on or is this the kick in the butt that I need to choose like the rest of my life wants to be slightly different and I want it to look like this and to then create that lifestyle which you know can be difficult you know like we said before if you're juggling kids and a career and a possible parent or parent-in-law I mean it's like what this is now another thing I've got to give action to but you know, the, the, everything has a cost. And if you, you know, choose not to acknowledge this, you know, the cost can be extremely severe in terms of your your mental health, but, you know, and then also like how maybe your physical appearance and also your physical health. So, you know, they're, they're not small things to just overlook and they do have a cost. And if you're starting to feel the, you know, the, the side effects of that to an extent or the, the knock-on effects of, of perimenopause or menopause, it's worth addressing now instead of letting things get worse because then it will just get harder and harder to take action. Sorry to interrupt. If you are enjoying today's chat, then please do follow or subscribe on your podcast provider to make sure that you don't miss out on any of our episodes and to help keep us bringing new content to you. And let's talk about the physical changes um, that you just alluded to there. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that the reason many clients end up coming to speak to us at Body Smart at this time is because they feel like their body is changing in a way that doesn't make sense to them. They're eating healthy, mm-hmm. they're working out, but somehow they've got this belly fat that they never had an issue with before. Yeah, which is, I mean, I don't think anyone's ever just going to be like, oh, I'd love to just gain some belly fat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no one's ever like, oh, that's a nice surprise to happen. You know what I mean? It's it's it's, it's never a great yeah, it's never a great thing to happen, especially if you don't feel like you've changed too much, especially if you feel like you're doing all the same things and then your your physicality has just changed. But, you know, there is a, a physiological reason why this happens. Which is? Which is <laughs> uh, the changes in your hormones and the changes in estrogen. I think you've got a better explanation, explanation than this on me. Yeah, well, so basically um, your estrogen levels during the part of your life when you're menstruating, yeah. they are there and they're cycling through because they are preparing your body to become pregnant every single month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of your body being ready to be pregnant is having adequate fat stores in a place that can be metabolized easily to feed that growing baby. Mm-hmm. And that just happens to be your hips and your thighs. Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, I personally think being in your tummy seems to make more sense because that's where the baby (laughs) goes. But whatever. Yeah. That's not what evolution's decided. Um, It's your hips (laughs) and your thighs. And so whilst you're menstruating, that's where your body's kind of default storage pouches are. It's Mm going to send any extra fat down there because that's where it wants to pull it from when you do eventually if you get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Once that estrogen level drops off, the signal isn't there to say, right, these are baby stores. 
So we don't need to send it to your hips and your thighs. Like how many guys have you seen with like a fat ass? It's not it's not where they tend to carry it, no, they no. tend to carry it around their middle. Yeah, yeah. And if we look at how the hormonal profile changes through perimenopause and then into menopause, mm -hmm you are going to have a hormonal profile that more closely reflects a man. Mm -hmm. And so your body goes, okay, well, we'll store it on your tummy. Mm -hmm. And so it isn't anything you've done. It's not anything you've changed. And yet somehow your body looks completely different. Your clothes yep. fit different. And women, we do have this big hang up about our tummies. And there's a lot of psychology behind it. But even women with like pretty flat stomachs, I can guarantee that will be the one thing they'll check in the mirror before they go out. Mm -hmm. God knows why we're so obsessed with it, but we are. Um, and so it can be super depressing when you feel like everything you're doing, it still won't shift. So you've got the hormonal element, but you've also got the fact that the way your body responds to insulin changes around this time as well, because mm -hmm. um, estrogen and insulin do kind of interact. And so it's more common to be insulin resistant as you go through this phase of life, which yeah. basically means it takes more insulin than it used to for your body to to do its job and take the sugar out of your blood and to send it where it's supposed to be. Yeah. And we if you can't do that effectively, it basically takes that sugar and goes, well, we can't deal with it effectively. Let's just store it. Okay, well, now we're storing the extra fat in our tummy. So that means there's even more going on your tummy. Mm -hmm. So it can feel like you're really fighting an uphill battle against your body and against your hormones and that there's nothing you can do about it. But that is not true. There is always something that you can do about it. You can't change those hormonal facts of mm -hmm. your body but you can improve how that comes through and how that's experienced yeah and it's you know we are always talking about calorie deficit and calories in versus calories out which is energy in versus your energy out and you know that that the second laws of thermodynamics don't change necessarily through menopause but if you look at what your hormones can do they can influence your behavior in quite a significant way so if you're having hot flushes or hot flashes and then you're getting poor sleep or you're becoming more insulin resistance uh, resistant you're then opting for more sh food more sugary foods your energy levels are low so your non-exercise activity goes down you maybe don't exercise as much or less or not as intense so that's slowing down your metabolism metabolism as well so even though sometimes you might feel like you're not feel you've, you've not really changed too much you might have seen like a reduction in consistency to workouts or reduction in intensity of workouts or reduction in non-exercise activity like literally like not fidgeting as much or something you wouldn't even notice or just not moving as much or not taking the stairs and all of that can re uh, result in a decreased amount of energy burned or calories burned which means even if you're eating a normal food amount now which you're probably eating more because of those hormonal changes and physiological changes now all of a sudden you're in a slight calorie surplus and that surplus that fat can possibly more of that fat can be getting stored in your stomach yeah and again to come back to the length of time this change happens over it can be a very progressive gradual thing and so it's not something you recognize oh last month i was eating like this and this month i'm eating like this and it was a significant change mm -hmm. it's a very gradual shift and again with your activity level it can be a very gradual shift so it's hard to notice until you get to that point where suddenly your trousers don't do up yeah. or you catch yourself in the mirror and you actually look and you go, oh shit, what happened? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really important when you do notice that you really interrogate like, what is my lifestyle looking like? What is my diet looking like? What is my activity level like? And where are those small changes that I can bring things back to a more healthy balance? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think even the hard part as well for, for maybe even women more so like the men in this, is that women's bodies do change even just through their menstrual cycle. 
you know, like sometimes like certain points and stuff, menstrual cycle, her stomach's like huge and solid. Like it's like a rock, you know, and she's, it's like out here. So her body fluctuates, like that doesn't happen to me unless I just have a food baby. You know what I mean? So like your, your body is changing more. And it's like, then if you are going through something, like you said, like perimenopause, like you could just think, oh, this is just a normal part of maybe my menstrual cycle causing this fluctuation in my body and, and change until you maybe get to a point like, hey, like you said, what's happened to you? Like my trousers aren't buttoning up. Um, and then, yeah, taking those steps to, you know, really trying to understand like what's happening. Am I going through this stage of my life? And then, you know, making the the necessary changes to, to make sure that you're feeling in a, a fit and healthy place. Yeah. And if you are feeling like, yeah, I've done all that and it's still not working, then it might not just be a case of calories in and calories out. Because one of the things that we find super common with clients that come to us is they go, right, I just need to have a calorie deficit. Cool, I'll just eat less. Mm -hmm. And so then they start eating like 1,100 calories, 1,200 yep. calories. And this begins this vicious cycle where then they've got even less energy. They're actually really undernourished. And so different parts of their body, different parts of their hormone systems are not working properly. Um, and so actually they're undermining their own attempts to try and get healthier. Cause in effect, that's what we're talking about. We're not trying to, we are trying to lose weight, but we're trying to feel better. Yeah. I mean, everything that we do is often, most of the actions that we take are often to generate a feeling, you know what I mean? So like, why do you exercise? I want to feel good. Or like, you know, why do we do so many different actions? It is often just to generate a feeling or the feelings that those actions, uh, you know, give us. So when it comes to, you know, <laughs> feeling overall better if you value looking a certain way then yes taking certain actions to look a certain way again is going to hopefully make you feel better but you know you really just want to make sure that you're putting your I'm trying to think of the best way of just breaking this down just putting yourself first and putting what putting yourself first looks like now can just be different and that's that's okay but like it is going to require a little bit of work and you being mindful yeah. And also, I mean, my biggest point on this is don't rely on your diet alone because no. it, it can get you to lose weight overall and therefore your tummy will reduce overall. But if you don't change what you're eating and you don't change maybe even how you're exercising, that tummy might still stay in proportionally mm -hmm. feeling big. You might be smaller overall, but your tummy might still feel big. And so it's often a bit of a game changer when we get our clients to really focus on their fiber, really focus on their protein, really make sure that 80% of their diet is unprocessed foods and lift some weights. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, they haven't actually changed their calorie deficit in terms of the size of the deficit, but how they've achieved that is different. And then they look better, they feel better. That ratio of tummy fat to everything else changes. Yeah, or, you know, to an extent because they're moving more, they're exercising, they're training more, the calorie deficit doesn't need to be as severe. So that means you're getting more overall calories, which means more overall minerals, nutrients, you know, and that is always the the risk that you run. And if you're somebody that's shorter, you know, like sub five foot two, five foot three, and lighter already, like you're already gonna need fewer calories than the next person. If you're then putting yourself in a large calorie deficit, and I have seen women you know, do sub a thousand calories, that is, just not a lot of food you know what i mean mm -hmm. like it's it's just not like probably not having a regular stool um and again that's kind of well not surprising if you're eating 900 calories a day and getting no fiber you know so it's it, it, there's a catch 22 to that as well which is like oh yeah i'll just eat less and it's like you know that might just seem like one decision just eat less but then the knock-on effect of saying before everything has a cost you know what is that cost and it's a lack of nutrients a lack of minerals 
you know, we talked about, I don't think we've touched on osteoporosis, but it can be like a lack of calcium, which can weaken your bones. And, you know, these are all things that may, may not impact you today, but can start to impact you in the coming months or years. Yeah. And it's not surprising that that is the tendency to say, well, I need to just eat less then because there is so much out there, like shouting to menopausal, perimenopausal women, your metabolism's reducing, you're going to need to eat less. I literally read one thing earlier and I was like, I call BS on this because it said uh, women's metabolism will reduce by 200 to 400 calories through menopause. Mm-hmm. But that's not actually true if you take different steps. So if you're increasing your activity level and building more lean muscle mass, mm-hmm. and if you're eating foods with a high thermic effect of food like protein, that doesn't have to be the case. Yep. And I think there's so much dogmatic information out there about the menopause that can actually make it feel really defeating and like mm-hmm. really hopeless. You Please don't listen to it. Yeah. Like you're a lot more in control than you think you are. Mm-hmm. And metabolism is really that like buzzword that gets thrown around. Like I have a slow metabolism. I have a fast metabolism. Like the people who actually have the fastest metabolisms are the heaviest people in the world they burn the most calories you know what i mean that doesn't necessarily mean they're healthy it just means they have are carrying a lot of weight and their body requires a lot of energy to maintain that weight so you know your your metabolism the one part that you really can't control too much have influence over is your basal metabolic rate that's i call it like your coma calories just how many calories your body needs to just be alive to keep you warm keep your heart beating your your lungs breathing that hasn't changes in terms of how much weight you gain or lose but you don't really have too much control over it. But these other parts, your non-exercise activity, how much you move, fidget, walk, um, non-plan movement, your exercise, again, you have complete control over this. And then the thermic effect of food, like you just said, having a higher protein diet, is will, you will just naturally burn more calories. You have complete control over all three parts of, that, of your metabolism. And often people just lump metabolism into one word. And it's like, oh, I'm going through menopause, my metabolism's slower. And it's like, well, no, your hormones could influence your meta- like could influence you to then take certain actions that make that's you know slow down your metabolism but if you have the awareness around this you can have complete control over the controllables and keep your metabolism in a, in a really healthy place yeah and i know jamie just sounded like you went off on a science lesson there uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> But yeah. what what we're basically saying is metabolism isn't a one thing and it is something that you actually have quite a lot of control yeah. over. Um, and when we come back to our list of symptoms of fatigue, of night sweats, of mood disorders, of hot flashes, of weight gain, actually all of these things can be addressed by the same things that are going to boost your metabolism, which is exercising regularly, lifting some weights, eating a high protein, high fiber, whole food based diet Mm -hmm. and getting some sleep if you can. Yeah. (laughs) I'm walking, you know, moving, moving your body on a a regular basis. But like I really do see these as like the foundation, the foundational basics um, that will benefit you at all areas of of your life, all stages of your life, but are almost like a necessity at this stage in your life. Yeah. And if it does feel like there's just too much to try and manage and there's too many other demands on your time and you don't even know where to start, what would be your your key takeaway? The key takeaway to get started is to ask for help, to be honest. You know, if you're struggling, do not feel like this is something that you just need to go through on your own. Like there is no one size fits all blueprint here. There are some foundational things that work for everyone when it comes to movement and training and exercise. But, you know, for some people, they, they feel stuck and, you know, communicating and speaking to someone about this 
you know, can be can be a huge first step. Uh, even speaking to your doctor can be a huge, huge part. We haven't really touched on the, you know, the HRT side of things, which is, you know, as we started at the at the start, that uh, menopause is a hormone deficiency and it is something that eventually a lot of women do go on to. And there's no judgment around that. Some women need to go on it right away at the start. Some women go on it right at the end of menopause. Some women never go on it. There's no, there should be no judgment around that. If like, if your symptoms around menopause are, are, are causing you so much havoc and like going in the gym just feels like too much exercise, uh, too much effort and just too hard and maybe taking something like HRT makes you feel like you again and then actually allows you to go and take those actions that make you feel healthier. Like fantastic. It, it, it is about playing detective and finding what works for you through this season of your life and not just letting life happen to you because it, it can and will often get worse and that's not what we want for anyone. No, I think you just um, really made a good point there about the using HRT as a tool within a toolbox because mm. it's not just a fix. It's not just take HRT and then everything will be wonderful again. Yeah. It's using it to help lay a foundation where actually then tackling some of the other things might feel easier or the interaction between the HRT and some of the other steps you're taking then compounds and you feel way better. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely something to explore, but alongside also reviewing like my lifestyle, my diet, my sleep, my stress mm. management. We haven't even talked about stress management. Yeah, yeah. But if you're stressed and you've got all this stuff going on, you can only imagine how much more actual stress your body's going through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, asking for help is a great place to start. And whether that's um, through friends, like sometimes mm -hmm. just talking about it and finding out what other people are doing is really helpful through... Or your, your mom, your friend's mom, you know, yeah. trainers, th th there's a wealth of information on social media and the internet nowadays. And sometimes that can get overwhelming and, and confusing. But, you know, just like... Speaking to people firsthand and just not letting this be like a topic that gets brushed under the, the carpet and, and, and kind of forgotten about like, oh, like, what are you, what are you moaning about now? Like, what, what do you mean? You, go, you know, it's just like it, it, it is like you are, you're having a physiological change that can have an impact on every area of your life. Uh, do not play that down. Yeah. And it is a conversation that's starting to come out more in the open, mm -hmm. but it definitely needs some encouragement. So be part of the change. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely don't be afraid to discuss it, you know, with even with your partner, if you feel like in the past that might have been a bit of a taboo subject because he's a guy and you're a woman, actually, like this is as much going to affect his life as your life. Mm -hmm. So have those conversations. Yeah, 100%. You've been listening to the Body Smart podcast. And as you know by now, we are super passionate about helping women change their lifestyle for the better and achieve the body of their dreams in a healthy and lasting way. So if this sounds like the support that you need, then go over to the show notes and click to find out more and apply for our amazing one-to-one -one coaching.